This is the Pariah Podcast, episode number 22, The Long-Expected Day, written and read by me, the author, Philip Carroll. Kia woke in the midnight darkness. An awful smell filled the room. Kes? Kyo shouted, trying to cover his nose and talk without actually breathing. Are you sick? There was no response. Kestrel had left with his creature companion earlier that day, as had everyone in the core. My egg! Kyo sat up and scrambled for a striker to get the tinder going again. He panicked. This smell could only mean that his creature must have died, and the shell had finally cracked and leaked the putrid fluid out, releasing the odor. He leapt for the end of the bed, snatched up his hose, and held them across his mouth and nose. He crawled back up the bed toward the table, where the lamp waited for a spark. Had rotten liquid leaked out of the bowl and onto the floor? He hoped not. It would be terrible to try to clean that up. The striker sprayed sparks into the tinder and Keo blew. One burst into a small flame, which Keo used to light a straw and transfer the fire to the lantern's wick. Light filled the room, and Keo was filled with horror. The upper half of the shell had broken and fallen to the floor, leaving the glass bowl filled to the brim with a clear liquid, obviously the source of the smell. But what frightened him most was a large pair of round eyes peering at him from the slime. The eyes were spherical and bloated from death, yet they appeared clear and conscious. Holding down his rising gorge, he pressed the stockings tighter over his mouth and nose and inched closer to the bowl. The bulbous eyes blinked, and Keo jumped back onto the bed with a scream. The creature raised itself up, just enough to look over the edge of the bowl at Keo cowering on the bed. Its head appeared to be at least 50% of its entire body, and its mouth stretched from one side to the other. Above its mouth and between its eyes, a small nose poked out, roundish and blunt like a pig's. Keo's greatest shock was the overwhelming adoration he felt from the creature. "'Are you my creature, companion?' Keo asked, his own emotion a mixture of amazement and fear. Gratitude, acceptance, and expectation joined the previous emotion of adoration. What are you? The creature didn't respond, only rested its chin on the edge of the bowl and watched him. Taking in the overall shape of the creature, he asked again, Are you a pig frog? Still, no reply. But the smell... Something must be wrong with it. Keo picked up the bowl and carried it to the door. I hope the cold doesn't bother you, because I need to get you cleaned up. I don't know what this stuff is on you, but it smells like it's gone off, and I mean really off. When Keo picked up the bowl, he had pointed the creature's head away from him in their line of travel, but she worked her legs and turned back to face him. Opening the door, the icy blast of early spring air hit him, and he realized he couldn't subject himself to a bath outside, let alone this slippery-looking thing. He carried her back into his room. On the way, he stopped in the latrine and dumped out as much of the liquid as he could without frightening the creature too much. 
Back in his room, he dug the tin of wipes from under the bed and tried to sop up most of the slime covering the creature. Tell me, Keo said, are you a girl? The answer startled him as much as it reassured him. The creature clearly responded in his mind, yes. He got most of the slime off of her, set her on his bed, and examined her. She looked back, her big dark eyes uncannily familiar to someone he'd seen before. The room spun when he made the connection and he had to stabilize himself by leaning on the bed. The woman in his dream had overly large round eyes and she was covered with shiny dark mud. As he looked at his creature, a new layer of liquid oozed from her skin, recoating her body with the rancid smelling slime. One more question. I really don't want to ask you this, but are you pregnant? You know, do you have little baby froggy things inside you? Again, the answer came back, clear and undeniable. No. What about this smell? Do you always smell this way? All he got back from this question was confusion. Like an avalanche, the truth hit him. He would not be flying a tiger hawk. In fact, he wouldn't be flying any graceful creature or even be companion to something he'd ever heard of. His companion creature was a frog pig, as best he could make out in the light of the lantern. Keo needed to find out what to do next. Not wanting to get any of the slime on himself, he carried the thing in the glass bowl to the door. He remembered how cold it was outside and took the wool blanket off his bed and laid it across the top of the bowl. He lifted the bowl to see what she made of the covering. The pig frog seemed to be okay with it, watching through the mostly clear side of the glass bowl. Kia went first to the mess hall to see if anyone was still there, but by the stars, he could see it was about one after midnight and wasn't surprised to find it empty. He walked to battalion headquarters, but everything there was dark and locked as well. He knew the quarters for tiger hawk handlers and other creatures were on the other side of the camp, but he didn't know where unknown creatures were kept. Everything else that had hatched that day had been a recognizable creature type. He sat down on the steps of the battalion offices with the bowl across his legs. At least the creature was warm and the bowl was comfortable on his thighs in the chilly night air. Two men walked past. Keo coughed to get their attention and they jumped, surprised and angry they hadn't seen him there. What are you doing here? One challenged, drawing a dull metal sword. My egg hatched, and I don't know where to go, Keo said, the truth of it frustrating him. What's your creature, and what's that awful smell? Is it sick? I don't know what it is, and I think it's supposed to smell this way. I think. You can't stay here, sitting on the steps in the admin sector. Why don't you go back to your barracks and wait until morning? A solution occurred to him someone he knew of who might know about all the possible creatures here. I need to talk to the camp commander, Keo said. I'm sure she doesn't want to speak to you, especially with that smelly thing you've got in the bowl. I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't speak of my creature companion like that. She is my companion whether she smells bad or not. Huh, you talk like it's a lady, the second guard elbowed the first. Don't be rude before a lady, you oaf. They both laughed like it was a very funny joke. Keo got to his feet and walked away. Hey, 
Where are you going? The first asked. I'm going to find my... I'm going to talk to the camp commander, Keo said. Oh, no, you're not, the first guard said, skipping around to get in front of Keo and pointing his sword at Keo's chest. If the commander finds out we let some trainee go walking up to her office in the middle of the night, she would have us whipped. You are going back to your barracks until the morning. Keo sidestepped the blade and continued toward the camp commander's office and house. If you're going to run me through with that blade, do it quickly. Otherwise, my dying screams might wake her, the colonel, and then you'd really be in trouble. What's your rank, anyway? I want to make sure I'm clear on who was harassing me when I talked to the commander. Sure, I'm really afraid you're going to tell the camp commander on me, like the colonel will listen to some trainee first class. You can come watch if you wish, Keo said, trying to figure a way he could get rid of the guards. He didn't know if his sister really would let him in, and then if she would take his side or theirs. He would rather they just left him alone to work things out. Keo surreptitiously lifted a corner of the blanket covering the bowl, and a fresh wave of the putrid scent wafted behind him. Oh, that smell, the second said, coughing. I can't see. My eyes are watering too much, the first said, and Keo took advantage to step out his pace. He rounded a corner and saw his sister's quarters ahead. The two guards looked as if they decided not to follow. Another set of guards stood watch outside the camp commander's front door. Sergeant, I need to speak with the camp commander. I have a problem I believe only the colonel will understand and be able to resolve. How did you get here, trainee? I walked, Keo said. Smart boy. Maybe you should just walk back to where you started from and work through your chain of command, if you think the camp commander will care what you have to say. I don't have a chain of command anymore. All the trainees have had their eggs hatch and gone to their creature sections. But my creature doesn't have a section. I believe the commander will want to see this, Keo said, and held up the bowl and pulled back the blanket for them to see. They reacted immediately, stepping back, covering their faces and groaning. Cover it up, one said. That's disgusting. The commander won't want it in the building, the other said. That's fine, Keo said at the end of his patience. Just let the commander know, and she will want to come out here and see it. You expect a lot from the colonel, if you think she will just get out of bed to come see a trainee and his rotting creature. The other guard laughed and nodded his head. Okay, listen, sergeant. Please go in and tell Colonel Noshane that creature handler trainee first class Kyo Noshane is outside with a creature she's never seen before, and that he really needs to speak with her. Kiyo Noshane? Yes, Sergeant. I think the Colonel will recognize the name, thank you. I'll go ask, the first guard said to the second, who nodded. He was gone longer than Kiyo would have expected. Maybe his sister was actually asleep. He didn't think she did. He set the bowl on the ground and held his breath. He lifted the blanket long enough to look at the creature again. The big eyes looked up at him with admiration and devotion. I wish you didn't smell so bad, he said, and returned the blanket, and stood just in time to come to attention when his sister stepped out onto the porch. She descended the steps like a queen, 
or an angel coming from the sky. She was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen and the most powerful he had ever known, and this was his sister. Trainee First Class Kyo Noshani reporting, ma'am, Kyo said, his chin to his chest. Stand at ease, Kyo, she said and sniffed the air lightly. What is the problem? My egg hatched, ma'am. It's not a tiger hawk, Kyo said, and all the suppressed disappointment welled up into his chest. He had planned on riding a tiger hawk his whole life. He knew that was part of his destiny, his plan, and now he had this. He took a deep breath to stabilize himself and to prepare to hold it. This is what I got. He pulled back the blanket. His creature looked up at him, and when he didn't look down at her, she shifted in the bowl to turn around and look up at the colonel. The smell was like a slap in the commander's face, and she stepped back with her hand over her mouth. Sorry, he whispered to his creature and covered her back up. What can you tell me? she asked. She understands me. I think she loves me. She is a she, and she's not pregnant. She smells really bad, and when I try to wipe away the smelly oil, it returns with a new wave of the scent, ma'am. Is there anything you can tell me about it? If I'm thinking of the right creature, and truly, the scent gives it away, then it's been over a hundred years since the last one came to this camp, and the one before that maybe three hundred years. They have been housed by themselves in a cottage in the past. I'll send a sergeant to you in the morning to arrange your instruction, since there's no organized creature unit for it. He's a knowledgeable man and creative. For tonight, I recommend you stay in your old barracks and find the cottage in the morning. It's beyond the rest of the creature sections, to the southeast edge of the camp. It sits on a bluff and is backed up to a grove of willow and oak. You can't miss it. The road ends at its doorstep. She stepped forward and placed an arm around his shoulders. She was still taller than him, but only just. She walked him away from the guards. His creature sat in the bowl on the ground and whined as only Keo could hear. I can't think but this is disappointing to you. I know you wanted to fly a tiger hawk like mine and had set your future on it. I don't know what the purpose of this creature is, but I know you, and you have a destiny which will affect the entire kingdom. Choose wisely how you treat your creature. Thank you, ma'am. I will serve the king as any creature handler is expected to. Good night, he said, and brought his chin down in salute. Carry on, Keo. I'll send Sergeant Wilmax to you in the morning. If there's anything you need to make the cottage comfortable, work through him, and I'll make sure it happens. Good night. Back in his room, Keo couldn't sleep. He sat on the edge of his bed for hours, staring at the creature who gazed back with large, round eyes. Occasionally blinking, she exuded contentment and settled in the bowl of slime. As soon as it was light enough to see his way easily, Keo followed the main road from the north side of camp, where the new trainees were housed, to the opposite. He passed through the small town of houses for permanent force members, like Sergeant Nightsong, and offices for the various battalions and support units. Beyond the offices, the camp spread out into the wide-open barracks areas, 
of the creature sections. Large flat fields of grass separated the solitary barracks, the only trees crowding around the creature stables associated with the human habitation. The sun was not above the mountains to the east, giving them the appearance of a long serrated knife on the horizon. The creature camp lay in its distant shadow. Each of the stone creature barracks had three floors, housing probably as many as 200 creature handlers in each. Next to each barracks were stables for as many creatures. Wide open spaces separated the many barracks stable combinations. Each barracks bore a sign declaring which creatures were represented in the building, though unreadable in the dark. Some had large wooden sculptures of the animals, recognizable in the pre-dawn. As he passed what appeared to be the last of the barracks, the road led into the distant woods. Once among the trees, Kia wandered along the winding road for some time before finding a stone cottage with a baked tile roof down a short hill at the edge of a draw. Though the sun had risen, the veil was gray in the morning mist, and the small house appeared lonely and dead. A sign pegged above the door of the cottage bore the word, Pariah. Leaves and branches from years of neglect covered the porch and blocked his way to the door. Keo set the bowl and creature down where he could see it while he worked and scooted most of the rotting leaves from the way with his foot, kicking the debris out into the yard. The door opened into the house, but soon resisted as if something was piled behind it. He pushed the upper half of his body through the opening and saw there was almost as much organic litter inside the house as outside. Pushing harder against the trash wedged up behind the door, he finally got it open enough to pick up the creature bowl and go inside. Past the entryway and sitting room were three small rooms with a kitchen. Any wooden furniture was in shambles, small piles of wood appearing to have been eaten by termites long ago. Everywhere he looked, the stone floor was covered with dirt, branches, and old leaves. Light through filthy glass pane windows gave the room a jaundiced and sad tint. I don't know, girl. There's a lot to clean here. I guess we'd better get to it. Keo set the bowl on the floor, and the creature immediately crawled from it to pick her way through the branches and leaves. She sniffed at everything new she came upon and tasted a few of the less dusty leaves. Keo stripped down to his under-tunic and hose and had most of the entryway and sitting room emptied of broken furniture and cleared of leaves and dirt when Sergeant Wilmax drove up in a wagon. He walked into the cottage, waving his hand in front of his face at the creature's smell. Keo noticed with surprise that he hadn't registered the odor in some time. "'I've got most of what you need to set up here,' Wilmax said, looking around. "'I brought you food as well.' though I don't know what your creature eats. There's not much information on them. Well, none, really. Thanks, Sergeant. We'll figure it out, I'm sure. They carried all the furniture into the sitting room, and the sergeant promised to return that evening with more food, another table, and spend some time going over a training schedule. With a broom supplied by the sergeant, Keo explored the rest of the house. Each of the three bedrooms was identical. Only one looked as if it had ever been occupied. Off from each of these rooms was a smaller one, and the reason why the house was so filled with litter became clear. 
The upper half of the outside wall in the little room was open to the elements. Keo cleaned the small room next and solved the riddle of its purpose. In the corner, below the open wall, sat a short rock dais, about a hand's width high, and a meter square with a circular depression scooped out, its circumference reaching a thumb's width from the sides. As soon as Keo had cleared and swept the platform, his creature climbed into it and settled at the center of the depression. Keo laughed. I'm glad you won't get as big as a tiger hawk. I don't think the world could take the smell if you did. The creature paid close attention as he spoke. Keo recognized shared amusement from the pig frog. As the day wound down, the cottage took on the appearance of a home. Keo lit a fire in the fireplace, in the shared wall with his bedroom, and sat back in a chair. His knee ached from all the bending and sweeping of cleaning the entire cottage. Darkness had fallen, and Sergeant Wilmax hadn't returned. It was all right. He had enough food for the next few days, and if he got very hungry, there was a mess hall for some of the closer creature sections, and it wasn't more than a mile walk from his cottage. Keo wondered where Bree was, where the tiger hawk section trained, and when he had passed it that morning. It was very early when he had made his way out to the cottage, and he didn't see any of the creatures up and moving about at that time. A familiar odor, though fainter now, preceded a feeling of happy recognition as his creature waddled into the room. She was hungry. Keo didn't have a clue what she would eat. What do pigs eat? Keo asked. Of course, pigs ate whatever you put in front of them that didn't move. But what about frogs? He hadn't thought much about what frogs ate since he was a little boy. They mainly ate bugs. Crickets chirped outside. Spring was coming on. There must be plenty out there she might want to eat. Keo opened the front door. Do you want to go out and find something to eat? She sidled out and dug into the leaves just beyond the porch. Keo waited at the door. After a half hour, just as his knee was beginning to throb more than he could bear, she crawled back out from under the leaves waddled into the house and sat next to Keo's chair by the fire. Sergeant Wilmax showed up again a week later with excuses about being very busy, the long distance, and no help to load the wagon. What about the training program? Keo asked as the sergeant was about to leave. Oh, right. Sorry about that. I've been working on it, but, you know, I've been very busy. And, well, actually... There isn't anything written down about the creatures. Only that the last one was over a hundred years ago, and the handler never completed training. It doesn't say when he left or where he went. Actually, they figured he had been gone for several months when they noticed he wasn't around anymore. But he just left, or disappeared, or something. Him and the creature. No one's ever seen him since, you know, around the camp, or in any villages. Of course, people would know if he was around, Sergeant Wilmax laughed. So there's no record of what he studied or how he trained or how long he was here with his creature? No, nothing. It was around the winter solstice that he turned up missing. The camp searched the area for him, but they gave up pretty quick. No one remembered even seeing him from much after midsummer, and the cottage looked unused for several months. So he'd either left or was long dead. 
Wilmack started to get back on the wagon. Training, Sergeant? Keogh asked, not trying to keep the frustration out of his voice. Oh, yeah, he said, climbing to the driver's bench and picking up the reins. You can pretty much do whatever you want. Practice swordsmanship, exercise, sleep in late, learn to cook. Study that creature and make some notes about it, in case someone gets another one in a hundred years from now. You can write, can't you? Yes, Sergeant, I can write. Thanks a lot. Are you coming back sometime? Probably in another week. We can see what you've discovered and recorded, he said and shook the reins. After another two weeks, and Keogh had seen nothing of Sergeant Wilmax, he set out for Camp Town to speak with the armorer. He figured his creature would need a lot of time to travel the three-mile walk, but found once they were on the road, she ran more like a pig than a frog. She could leap a good distance if she wanted to, but she seemed happier trotting along Keogh's side. Being later in the morning than when he had carried the creature to the cottage, other sections were out on the practice grounds. He watched each group drilling and training their various creatures. He hoped he would see Tiger Hawks and Bree to say hello and see how she was doing. They stopped at the mess hall for some water. His creature dug around in the bushes outside while Keogh stepped in. Breakfast had ended an hour before, and only the cooking staff remained. Hello, Keogh called and waved to one man working in the kitchen. He smiled and waved back, took a small towel and dried his hands as he walked into the dining hall. What can I do for you, trainee? He asked, looking him up and down. What are you doing clear over here in the sections? Um, sorry, Sergeant. I'm trainee first class Noshani. But no one has given me any different uniforms yet. I didn't think to ask Sergeant Wilmax about them. It's just me, out in the cottage. The man's smile disappeared. He narrowed his eyes and nodded his head. I was wondering if you'd ever come to the mess hall. Where's that creature of yours? The man sniffed the air. Outside. I tried to keep her in the opening, Keogh apologized. I was just looking for a drink of water. We're walking into town, and it's getting a little warm. The cook tipped his head toward a table by the door. Several glazed pitchers were surrounded by matching mugs. There's always water for you creature handlers. There's extra food, too, set out for the later eaters. More in the evening. If you want to come eat after the main crowds have gone through, stop in. Not that you're not welcome when the rest of the sections are here, but you'd probably cause a stir if your creature comes with you. Just a thought. Other handlers leave their creatures in the barn, usually, when they come to eat. Keogh couldn't tell if the cook was being thoughtless or grudgingly considerate of his feelings. It's just the two of us, so we pretty much stick together. Besides, I have a kitchen in the cottage, and Sergeant Wilmax drops food off for us. But I do get tired of eating the only things I know how to cook, so I might just stop by late some evening. I wouldn't want to cause a stir. His creature waited outside the door for him, and they walked the rest of the way into the camp town. They passed more dining halls on the way and saw almost every variety of creature imaginable, except for tiger hawks. Hello, Sergeant. I'm trainee First Class Noshani. I'd like to check out a practice sword. The gray-haired man behind the barricade desk scowled at him. Your training battalion should provide those for you. 
I'm not in a training battalion anymore. My creature hatched, and I'm in the cottage at the end of the road. I don't have a section or even anyone who comes out to train me. I thought if I had a training sword, I could at least practice with that, since I can't have my own sword. No shane, the armorer said and rubbed his beard stubble. You're the camp commander's brother, the one with that smelly creature. Yes, Sergeant, Keo said. He had heard others call it that, and in the beginning he understood, but now he was tired of it, and it put his back up. However, he couldn't shout or even growl at a sergeant of this man's rank. That is me, and I'd like to practice a bit, if I have to live by myself. You have a sword here, I believe, the man said, looking through his register. I do, sergeant. Since you don't have anyone around you might accidentally run through with it, I'll issue your sword back to you, and you can practice with it. Those in the sections get some practice with real swords, too. The balance is different than the wooden practice swords, of course. It'd do you good to learn to use your own sword, and just in case. In case what, Sergeant? You know. No one knows what happened to that fellow a hundred years ago who was out in the cottage. Maybe you'd be a bit safer with a real sword, in case. Keo didn't know why the man couldn't say what was on his mind, but he assumed he thought someone had come out to the cottage and killed who was housed there before. However, he didn't want to offend the man who was about to give him his sword back by challenging him to clarify his insinuations. The armorer stepped away and returned with his sword in its scabbard. He untied the lashings, drew out the blade, and laid it beside the scabbard on the desktop, his eyes widening as he examined it. Now if the camp commander showed me this sword and told me it was hers, I'd have no difficulty believing it. It's a sword to be carried by someone very important. How'd you come by it? Keo told the man of his journey to the capital his companionship with Morden, and their run-in with the thieves. Either that city guard was a fool to let this sword out of his hands, or it plays somewhere in your destiny. I'd have come up with some excuse to try and keep it, he said and raised an eyebrow at Keo. Thank you for letting me know, and should it go missing, I'll come see you, Sergeant, Keo said with a smile on his lips. The armorer laughed deeply at that, sheathed the blade and pushed it across to Keo. Thank you, Sergeant. Can you tell me where I would go to get a change of uniform? Hmm. Since you've got no section, I'd say go down to the corner and turn right and find the quartermaster halfway up the street on the right as well. Keo fastened the sword to his belt and left. He found the quartermaster without difficulty and had to tell his story all over again. The quartermaster looked him up and down with a frown. What creature do you have? He asked Keo as if he hadn't understood him the first time. It's not a creature you or anyone I know of has ever seen. It looks like a cross between a frog and a pig, and there are no references to it in any of the camp records. Does this creature smell really bad? Keo sighed, not wanting to deal with the typical abuse that came with having a smelly friend. He merely said, Yes, Sergeant, that's the one. May I see it? Keo nearly fell over. He was so surprised at the man's request. 
So far, this was the first person in the camp who had expressed any interest in her. Yes, Sergeant, I guess so. She's right outside. They stepped out onto the landing at the top of the wooden stairs, looking down on the street. His creature sat in the grass across the paved stone road. Interesting. I can smell it now. You refer to it as she. I've not heard any other handler refer to their creature as he or she. I understand her when she speaks to me. I know. Others don't do that either. I guess that's what's wrong with me. I hear too much. But when she talks to me, I hear her speak as a woman. May I have a closer look? Will she mind? Not at all. She's very friendly and quiet. The sergeant talked as they descended the stairs and crossed the road. I was raised on a farm before my king's service put me in the civilian corps. I learned management there, and after my time was up, I switched to the military and went to the permanent force. I'm 48 years old now, and I still don't think the farm has ever washed completely from my hands. I'm from a farm as well, sergeant. I know what you mean. I miss the smell of hay, milking cows, and the feel of rough wool on the sheep. The man stopped in the middle of the road and turned to Keo. He raised his right hand to eye level and to the side of his ear. Fingers extended in what is known as the non-com salute, a special greeting the non-commissioned officers use when greeting one another. Trainee Noshani, I consider you a brother at arms and a cousin from the farms. Thank you, Sergeant, Keo said and returned the salute. Keo felt a gratitude and kinship to the sergeant that he had yet to feel with any of his fellow trainees. They looked at the pig frog for some time and then returned to the quartermaster's office. You'll need a collar pin for your uniform, identifying your section, or everyone will keep trying to send you back to the first-year companies. Here's a pin I think should be appropriate, and no other section is using it at the time. Look, he said, and held up the pin. It was circular and black, rimmed with silver, but when held in the light, it appeared to have an oily rainbow surface. What do you think? the sergeant asked, sounding very proud of himself. It's perfect. Thank you, sergeant. Keo headed back to the cottage, thinking he would have to go visit the quartermaster again sometime to talk farming. Thanks for listening to the Pariah Podcast. If you'd like updates on the podcast, other fiction I'm working on, or to join my monthly newsletter, where you'll get a free short story from one of my environments, go to norvaljoe.com. You'll be directed from there. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.